Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Bobby Files of a New Black Mom. And we are back, and I am barely here. <laughs> if you can't tell from my beautiful voice, I got sick, girl. I got sick. Like, real sick. Like, sick out of nowhere. Which is so crazy. And one of my least favorite attitude things is when I get sick, I have no patience, no tolerance, no friendliness. At all. At all. And this week, I wanted to keep it super light. And I wanted to talk about children and outside spaces. And what I mean by that is how your kids act outside of the home. One of the funnier things I watched and seen in everyday life is when parents get suspiciously shocked when their kids act like belligerent children all of a sudden when they're out in public. And the reason I say <laughs> belligerently shocked is because all of a sudden it's, oh my God, she does not act like that when we are home. Oh, she knows better. Oh, he would never. It's like, yeah, I don't think your kid said, you know what, today I'm going to embarrass my mother. I think that's what I want to do today. Or today I'm going to try something different. Now, don't get me wrong, kids try a lot of shit. And I'm not here to say they ain't going to try you with every nerve but Tuesday. But what I find most interesting is how parents sometimes don't notice their children's actions until they see the reactions of other adults. I absolutely hate seeing parents forcefully discipline their children because they're embarrassed, if that makes sense. Um... One of the biggest lessons I learned is that the habits that you allow your children to do at home is what they continually do in public. For example, my youngest stepdaughter really frustrated me the other day. And I say frustrated because I feel like it's okay for parents to say a child frustrated you. I hate when people say, oh, they upset me. No, you were frustrated. Frustrated is an absolute welcome feeling. And what she did was probably very normal for a kid to not think so deep into it. But, so for most people who don't know, I work in a place where it's kid-friendly. Kids are roaming by themselves. It's a very open space. And my kids usually come in there and roam freely because, again, I work there. Everybody on the staff knows my kids. So I always feel extra safe. Now, there is occasions where guests will see my kids and go, oh, my God, are they here by themselves? Or, okay, whatever. But my youngest had the baby, and they're walking around because, yes, yeah, she's eight, but she's very mindful. She doesn't do or try anything crazy. But literally, you know, they walk in, coming back to the table to get their food, and I'm helping a guest, and I happen to notice they stopped in front of his table. Now, the baby is super friendly. She is literally me at her age. My mom used to call me the goodwill ambassador, waving, shaking hands, kissing babies. That's my daughter. So she's saying hi, and of course the ladies are like, oh, hi. And then they become concerned because they don't see them with a parent. So the first thing they do is ask, you know, my youngest, 
are you here by yourself are you okay where's your mom like y'all are walking around alone and of course instead of my youngest saying no you know my stepmom is working we're sitting over here we're fine she freezes up she panics tells the lady she doesn't know so now the the woman is now concerned because she's like what do you mean you don't know where your mom is or you don't know where a parent is because now they're thinking there's these two small children walking around by themselves so of course by this point I'm already paying attention I'm already alert so I walk over to the table and a lady goes oh my god are these your kids I said yeah they're fine they're they're here all the time they're over here it's fine they're like oh you know we're a village and I think she took me and my frustration as being upset with her and maybe one day I'll get to let this woman know it wasn't her (laughs) but I had to have a really honest conversation with my stepdaughter excuse me as I'm battling a cold I said so let me understand this any other time you use your words but when someone asks you if you're here by yourself or are you lost or you know are y'all just wandering by yourselves instead of you answering her you made the woman more nervous because you said I don't know why is that your answer and she looks at me and then she doesn't say anything then she puts her eyes down and she has this really bad habit of when an adult is talking to her in a tone whether it be disciplinary or not she shuts down she doesn't talk and then she puts this like non-existent voice and I'm like what are you doing and I'm like why are you talking like that you're not in trouble so just answer my question what happened why did y'all what why didn't you just say yeah we're good we're safe we're you know here with my stepmom my sister's mom something and she goes I don't know I said why are we whispering use your words you're eight years old you're old enough to make tiktoks and stay up on youtube all night making videos why can't you vocalize your words i don't know i said but you're controlling this you're not a mute so you didn't all of a sudden just become a whisperer talk have a conversation now in that conversation some people might find that i was aggressive and you might take that because of my tone of voice but I understand I'm sitting at a table. I'm looking at her eye to eye. My voice is calm. I'm like, you're not in trouble. I'm just concerned. And I explained the circumstances in the situation. I said, you see, the woman saw you and your sister walking. They think you're by yourself. They think you're wandering alone. They think no one's here with you. So they're concerned. Where if you had told them, hey, my sister's mom, my stepmom, whoever is here. She works here. We're okay. We're sitting over at this table. They would not have been so afraid alerted nervous scared thinking y'all are in danger and she kind of nods her head and doesn't really say much the habits in which we allow our children to express themselves and the reason i say the habits is because when you don't teach your children or if you're not stressing to your children how to behave in circumstances in which they're they should be responsible for themselves and be able to speak up They put themselves in positions where you have to be mindful of what you allow them to do. Now, most people don't know my youngest, and I don't talk about her super often, but she's outspoken, she's bold, she's sassy, she has all this personality. But as soon as you come to her as a conversation, whether it sounds disciplinary or not, she turns into a church mouse that can't speak. 
and it's frustrating because I'm like, you can't be the toughest cookie in the room. And as soon as someone approaches you, you turn into powder. Because I had to have that conversation with her when she was younger, when she decided she was going to be, you know, tough and do things where she had to then have reprimand for it. And again, it all comes from how we teach our kids that it's okay to act. So then when they get out in public and they act a certain way, we're all shocked and surprised. Every parent has a different style. And this is where the uniqueness of having step parents or, you know, different households, you learn different things. I'm a big advocate for speaking up. Speak your piece, say your words, use your words. It's the same thing I tell her 13-year-old sister. I tell her, you freak out and start crying. Crying does not fix anything. Use your words. Explain the situation. Handle your handle. Crying does not fix everything. The reason I am such a big advocate of using your words is because a lot of times people have no tolerance for emotion. So when you show that you have more emotion than you do structure enough to speak and talk and handle people don't really hear you and when your kids are in certain spaces and they start acting crazy and you looking at them like they got seven heads it's because those are the actions that you're influencing when you see kids screaming and yelling and running around it makes my nerves uneasy i tell you because parents all of a sudden act like their kids don't jump on their furniture sorry not in my household There's no kids jumping on my couches. There's no kids leaving trash and crap everywhere. And one of the biggest habits we had to change with my youngest is she has a very carefree, I don't care attitude when it comes to her things, her clothes, and her items that she brings when she comes to our house. (coughs) Now, at your mom's house, at your personal home, you can leave and do and come as you go. In my house, There is a policy of cleaning up after oneself. So when she first started coming over, she had that responsibility. Yes, your sister has chores. And yes, we asked her to do her chores. But you are also, we're not your maid. That was a big lesson my mom taught us early on. You have no maid. So you are responsible for cleaning up and taking hinder in anything you do. The reason you instill these things is not because you want to force something on your kids. You bring these things up because if you don't teach them, you won't be surprised when they don't or do certain things. It's so funny when I get parents and I tell them, hey, your kid is over here acting crazy. Your kid's over here disrupting. Your kid's over here running around. All of a sudden, they don't know what you're talking about. They're like, who, what, how? Oh my goodness. No, sis. Like, one day I was at the supermarket picking up groceries with the baby. And I see this little girl, and she had to be no older than four or five, hiding a Kinder egg in her skirt. Now, her mom is in line purchasing stuff, and she keeps fidgeting with it because she's hiding it to steal it. And she can't keep still, she can't hold her water. And her mother is so concerned because now she done rung up all her items. 
she goes to walk out. She sees the little girl fidgeting with herself. She's like, do you have to pee or something? And she's like, no. So then she fixes the girl's skirt and the little egg falls out, the little kinder egg. And she's like, where did this come from? Did you tuck this in? Like, her face was embarrassed because she's like, where did you learn how to do this? What, what are you doing? Because it was a habit she obviously had never seen her daughter do, but someone had shown her. And she immediately went back in line and said, you do not take things. You purchase things. If you want something, you ask for. When you show your children the right actions for the actions that they did wrong, that's the only way we can correct the problem. When you allow certain actions to happen, we put our kids in a position where they don't know right from wrong immediately. The problem is, don't always wait to correct them when things hit the fan. Let's just say that. Which is one of the biggest habits, especially young parents. I think we we naturally, you know, think our kids are going to learn and do. And even with small children, like my baby has this thing where she doesn't know how to be gentle. Kids don't know gentle. Especially at a young age, everything is so rough and they play so rough and they play so aggressively. They don't always pay attention. And I have to teach my daughter gentle, no hitting, no slapping, no rough. Because if I don't, she's going to fight you <laughs> like you owe her. But these are lessons we need to teach our kids early on so it's not a shock or surprise. And we'll take a quick break and I'll be back. So we're back. Baby, we back. <laughs> but no, we're teaching valuable lessons with our children. And what's crazy about it is the older you grow, the more you want your children to learn from you, if that makes sense. I never thought of myself as a role model. And what's more interesting than not is most parents don't think of themselves as role models. You think of yourself as somebody who barely made it barely got over (laughs) and now you trying to figure it the fuck out as a mom it's like you're never allowed to make real mistakes and when I say make real mistakes I mean like you're not allowed to lie you're not allowed to cheat you're not allowed to steal there's nothing right about the wrongs that you can do and as a parent you always want to teach your children the best source to getting a better solution and what I mean by that is a lot of times we fall into the trap of imposter syndrome, excuse me, where you don't feel like where you are, whether how great you know you really are, but you feel like you're not in the right place. Whereas kids have the opposite effect. Kids find themselves as greatness, everything, in every way. Like my daughter sees no wrong in what she does. Her freaking out and going crazy and clawing your face off and laughing, she doesn't see the wrong in what she's doing until I bring it up, show her, teach her. And the lessons that we're teaching our children have to be just that. They don't know they're wrong until you can show them, teach them, and give them guidance. If we're not doing that, we're failing our children. Short, plain, and to the point. If we cannot teach our children the best source of how to communicate, of how to express their feelings, of how to literally know when they need to speak up, we're failing them. And as a parent who have 
I became an instant parent when I got with my husband. And when I say instant, I already had an instant, had to fix in, you know, come together family. And for me, it was not something a 27, 28-year-old was really ready for. And I admit that now. I admit I took on way more than I could chew. I was overwhelmed. I was stressed. I was scared. I was nervous. I was, you know, emotional as fuck because then I just became pregnant. And it was like literally life changed. (laughs) Like life changed. I went from a single woman living on her own to a step-parent to four children, well, three kids and an adult, to becoming pregnant, to becoming a mom, to becoming, you know, look a wife, a future, you know, homeowner, all of these things that I did not plan for in literally a two-year time span. And most people say, you know, that's pretty typical because if you watch a movie, any romantic comedy, pick one, it doesn't matter. You always see them fall in love and get married and have like a family in a year. And you don't think of it as a fast-paced process. You think of it straight up as, well, that's, you know, how movies depict it. But in real life, it happens. And it's so baffling because my friends would tell you I was not the first that's supposed to have kids and not the first that's supposed to have gotten engaged. Me and my girlfriends would sit down and talk about who would get married first, who would get engaged first. And my homegirl, Nick, she was supposed to be first because she was in this committed-ass 10-year relationship with a guy she's been with since high school, and they moved in together finally, and they loved each other, and he had been talking about marrying this girl from the moment we've known her, which has been over a decade, and they have been together over a decade now, and what was crazy was they were together almost 15 years, and we known her for 10, and it was baffling when they broke up. It was baffling. It was absolutely shocking. And it was something where I never saw myself having the kid first. And when I got pregnant, I'll tell you this straight up, 110%, no one could tell me I was going to be pregnant first. (laughs) And it was scary. And it was a lot of things that I had to teach myself how to cope with, how to deal with, how to, you know, get my brain around. Because being pregnant at such a young age and in a non-planned situation. And when I say non-planned, I knew I wanted to be with my husband the day I met him. I knew it when I met him. I knew it when we started, had that first time we ever hung out. And when I say met him, I mean the first time me and him had conversation and hung out. That first night he came to my house. He sat outside my house because I told him, you cannot come in my house. I don't know you. And we sat outside my house for about four, maybe five hours. I ordered him food. We got something to eat. Because I was like, I'm going to get food. Do you want something? And what's funny is, me and my husband met (coughs) on very interesting circumstances. Um, I mean, well, this is the time to do so. We'll we'll discuss. We'll dive in. Um, My husband was having a birthday party at a club. And one of my good girlfriends was like, you want to go to this club? And not because it was his birthday, because she didn't know him. But she was just like, hey, this club is really jumping on a Monday night. And it's grown and sexy. And it'll be fun. Let's go. You need to get out the house. You've been in a rut. You broke up with your man. You need to do something. And I'm like, cool, girl. Let me find a dress. I found me this cute little dress. Put my hair up. Put some makeup on. Put some cute shoes on. And I was out. So we get to the party. And we having a good old time. And when I say good old time, I mean, it felt like 1995. That's how much fun I was having. And I happened to walk past the gentleman. And he pulls my hair. Now, I had this long Beyonce braid. 
And I was like, do not touch me. And he was so drunk, he just giggled and kept it moving and, you know, looked at me like, what's up, boo? And I kept it moving. That was my husband. But I didn't know at the time. Fast forward the following week, we go back to this club because Monday night was jamming and she convinced me, girl, stop being stuck in the house. You off on Tuesdays. So Monday night hangout is perfect. And I'm like, cool. So we go again. And... My future husband happens to work at this club. So at the time when I first met him, didn't know him, didn't recognize him, didn't see him, never, you know, put two and two together. So the next week when I saw him and he was working, I was like, oh, okay. So he tried to talk to me because he saw me hanging out with my girlfriend and I'm cute and we having a good time and we flirtatiously, you know, looking at each other and chit chatting and he's. You know, a bodyguard, so he's guarding, the, you know, the DJ and whatever else is going on. But I'm flirtatiously, you know, being me. And <laughs> more distinctly than not, Rihanna's work came on. You know, work, 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 work. Yeah, that song. Mm-hmm. And me being the Trini girl I am, I gyrate. He gyrate. We gyrate together. And literally, we danced for probably the entire four and a half minute song. So funnily enough that he forgot he was at work because we were in such a moment. And after that dance, I was like, okay, so I'm leaving. And he walked, I, well, he walked away because he was like, y'all got to move because I'm at work and <coughs> I forgot. And what's funny enough is, you know, my home girl was like, girl, you was over there getting it. And I was like, yeah, you know. <laughs> so I'm like, you ready to go? She was like, yeah, girl, this party is dying. Let's get out of here before the party ends because you never want to be at the party at the end of the night when it's the last call because, girl, that's when drama happens. So I walk over to him. I said, give me your phone. And he was like, what? I said, I want to give you my number. So I gave him my number, which is probably the first time in my adult life I could really say I boldly enough went to a man and gave him my number. Gave him my number <laughs> and left. Like, completely left. Completely walked right from having that conversation out the front door to the car to leave. Now, his side of the story is after I did that, he came out looking for me because he was like, I got to find this girl, like, tonight. Like, she she really just fucked my head up. And I laughed because I'm like, okay. He's like, no, you don't understand. I literally walked out the club maybe 2.5 seconds after you did, and you were gone. And I said, oh, because we was out. It was cold. We were, it was the middle of April. We were ready to go. It was already too late. Like, it was time to go. But that first night we sat and hung out was probably the most realistic time we had with each other and our beginning of our relationship where literally we sat in my car, in his car, in front of my house for close to four or five hours. And I mean, talked and chit-chatted and conversed and and discussed and laughed and, and talked like we had just met each other, you know, not but too long ago. So we were sitting there in a full snickle <laughs> and the time flew by to the point where I looked up and it was almost three o'clock in the morning. And it was crazy because he came over close to six, seven o'clock in the evening because it was like, you know, still bright out and light out when he came. It was so crazy because I looked up and said, oh my God, it is extreme. It's almost two o'clock in the morning. And literally time slipped away from us. But 
this is all about lessons. And one of the lessons I will teach my children, especially my daughters, is never allow what you think is going to be stop you from something that can be. And I say that to say, never stop what you think is going to happen. So I can tell you right now, I never thought in a million years I would have met this man. And if it wasn't for my homegirl, I probably wouldn't have met this man. And if it wasn't for her, among other things, I probably, you know, never would have taken him seriously, never would have went back for the second time. And I look back and think, wow, like our relationship is so crazy based off of a random night. Because that's exactly what it was, a random evening. But the lesson I learned from it is nothing is random. Nothing. Nothing at all is random or by chance, which is hard for people to believe because a lot of times we fall into the trap that we think we know what's going on. And what I mean is think we know what's going on. We think we know the game plan. And we go in like, I'm not, we're not, no. And I laugh because he might have been the right person at the right time. Because I was going through an absolutely shitty breakup. And I never in a million years thought I would have been going through a breakup and have met somebody who legitimately was perfect in every shape. But we're going to take a quick break and I'll be back. So we're back. (laughs) And I promised myself I would give more content in my documentation of what I'm saying. And I would do more talking. Do more talking. Because I feel like sometimes my episodes are so short and people always say, you can't start a story and not finish it. But yeah, I would teach my kids to never set a game plan without leaving room for change for ifs and maybes. And... One of the things I want to teach them is about those kind of things where you least expect it. Teach them how to be flexible, adjustable, non-conforming, to go with the flow, to never feel stuck and stagnant. Um, Right now, I'm going through my own crisis in my head, as I like to call it, because I'm really battling about my daytime career. And one of the things I always find is that people are afraid to to start over and what I mean by that is you know all my friends kind of always come into the same conversation where they're like you're never afraid to leave a job I said because there's always room for me to grow I will settle and settle is a very hard word for me I will become consistent and conform to a job that I never want to leave like I was with my favorite job, which was the Maryland Zoo, for almost four years. And the reason I was there so long was because I loved what I did. I loved the hours I worked. I loved the people I worked with. I loved the environment I was around. And the only reason I left was financially. And for some people, you could stay wherever and make it happen. I just... That's not me. And I want my kids to feel that way. I want them to feel like there's always room for you to do better, to grow more, to change, to find a better version of yourself. 
I look at myself as young. I'll be 30 this year, God willing. And I look at myself like, how can I change? How can I grow? And the reason I say that is because I look back over the last few years and I never had to really change out of my comfort zone more than I wanted to. And when I say more than I wanted to is because a lot of times we change, but we change right into the same more comfortable spot or we change right into a different groove, but it's very similar to what we just left. And sometimes you got to be uncomfortable to make a change. And in the industry I work in and the life I live, I always look and say, I won't leave something great unless I'm leaving for something greater. And you have to teach your kids that, whether it comes to friendships, whether it comes to schools, especially because, like, my oldest is, you know, getting herself together to go to high school. And I'm like, you need to pick a school that is going to give you everything you want and you can get everything out of it. Every decision I made when it came to my education was, again, my decision. My mom offered me a brand new car if I went to the school she chose. And everyone thought I was absolutely batshit crazy for choosing a different school. But I said, I had to go with my gut. Because I look back and I laugh because I'm like, my mom was a strong-willed, very determined woman who 150% chose everything she wanted to do and to go for. And I took a page right out of her book. When I chose the college I wanted to go to, I did it with my dad. When I chose the high school I wanted to go to, every decision I made was based off of me. Me. And when I say based off of me, it was based off of everything I wanted to do, everywhere I wanted to go, and everything I felt was the best choice, again, for me. Because I knew I had to live with those decisions. And living with those decisions... It's something that we have to teach our children. We are so afraid to teach our children to fail because as parents, we're always going to try to protect them. The worst thing is, though, when you protect them from every little failure, they never know what it's like to get back up. My mom and dad were great parents. And they may not think they were great all the time, but they really were. They were hard as hell, tough as hell, still are. Strict as hell. But... I'm grateful because I could have been in a lot worse predicaments if I did everything my way without some type of parent guidance. But they allowed me to fail. They allowed me to grow. They allowed me to make decisions and live with them. They said, okay, you want to go to school in Baltimore? Go. You want to live in Baltimore? Go. You want to stay in Baltimore? You want to get, you know, get your own feet into some things and do your own steps? Go. And we're going to support you. And the reason we're going to support you is because... Whatever you make your decisions to do, you have to then live with. And every decision I've made since then has been, again, a life lesson (laughs) for sure. But it also was things that helped me grow in ways I never thought I could. I learned how to be independent. I learned how to make my own decisions. I've learned how to live with the decisions I've made. I've learned how to make better decisions I've learned how to make great friends I've learned how to step away from bad friends I've learned how to make better choices when it comes to my friendships and those are lessons that my parents couldn't teach me we sometimes are so protective of what our kids do 
that we think we can fix everything. And fixing everything ain't always the answer. Because at the end of the day, fixing everything doesn't help your children. Because you just want to be, you know, the super parent that does everything. And then your kids are, you know, stuck in a position where they don't know how to fix anything. They don't know what it's like to fix anything. But again, teach your kids as much as possible. Teach them the best points of the things you've learned as an adult, but then give them room to say, okay, what did you do right? What did you wrong? It's the same thing I do with my staff. When I hire people, I let them work their first real shift alone, and I pull them to the side and say, how was your first day? And they tell me, you know, I did this, I did that. I'm like, okay. Or even when they're doing their validation with me and they have a test at the end of their, you know, training, I ask them, what did you do right? What did you do wrong? Because at the end of the day, they have to give me their perspective of what they noticed, what they took note on, what they paid attention to. Because if they can't notice their faults, I'm not always going to be there to teach them it. Teaching kids right from wrong is a lesson we always have to learn. But it's also a lesson we want to teach. Thank you for listening. And baby girl, I'm out.